A Song of Ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Peace be with you. All right. It's good to be with you this morning again. I felt like I was just up here. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. One of those mornings. It's a good morning, though. Um, my name's Casey. For those of you that don't know that or haven't met me, uh, normally I'd say I'm one of the pastors here, but today I'm the only pastor here. Uh, yeah. Uh, pastor Jeremy is gone, and uh, his family's obviously with him, and we're, gra- we're glad that he's gone. Uh, I think this is the first week that Jeremy's been able to take off uh, since I moved here, which is about a year ago. So I'm glad that uh, we have a church that takes care of pastors and lets them go, because uh, that's important. Uh, anyway, it's good to be here uh, with you this morning. And we're going to look at this, this short little psalm, uh, this tweetable psalm. You literally can tweet this psalm in one tweet. Uh, and I'm going to talk about it for 20, 30 minutes or so. So before I do that, let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and pray. Let me pray for us. Um, Pray for Jeremy and his family um, and all of those uh, that are gone. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together uh, to look at these uh, wonderful things in your word. Thank you uh, that um, what we ask uh, in your spirit, you will give to us uh, in your grace. And pray that you'd help us understand these, these things from your word, that it would illuminate our hearts so that we can understand ourselves better so that we can understand you better so we can live in this world uh, better and seek uh, to bless it and to bring renewal um, and that your spirit would bring about the change in us uh, that you desire um, that we would leave here people uh, deeper in love with you and deeper in love with one another and we thank you for Jeremy and Jesse and their their boys and for the blessing they've been to so many uh, that aren't even here this morning but We're grateful uh, for the work you've done in our city and in our church through them. I pray that their time away will be a blessing and uh, that they would be able to enjoy it wherever they are. And um, we trust that you're taking care of them. Pray that you're going to bless us this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I wanted to begin, and I usually somehow bring my kids into the sermon. I'm just going to do it at the start and get it out of the way. I got four little kids, and... uh, they often strategize, those of you who have kids or have ever been around little kids know that they strategize, they scheme, and they plot uh, ways to approach me to get whatever they want. And for example, if our youngest, who's three years old, approaches me and says, Daddy, 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 can we play laser tag? I know she's not speaking on her own behalf, <laughs> Right? She has no idea what laser tag is. She would not enjoy laser tag. Ten-year-old uh, maniac kids running around screaming, shooting at her would not be pleasant to her. But because she loves her siblings, uh, she gets tasked as the one to bring the word to dad, uh, usually because the older ones are acting up and they know they're not in my good graces and that the, the request would not be a favorable one. So schemers they are, send in the cute one, the tiny one, the one who knows that they know has a direct channel, uh, direct line to my heart. Um, so the point is kids are evil. Uh, the other point is this, amen. 
that is the, well, that's very verifiable fact. That's true. Yeah. They come from evil parents too. That's, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm there with him. The point is this though. From an early age, we know how important it is to have someone put in a good word for us. Uh, I used to manage a bank. I'd always get requests for job applications and resumes and they'd say, hey, can you put in a good word for me? So even adults are asking for someone to put in a good word for them. And that's literally what it means to give a benediction. We talk about benedictions every week at Trinity. A benediction is a Latin word, bene, meaning good, and diction, meaning a word or the word. So benediction, a good word. If you've ever been with us on a Sunday morning, you know that we begin with a call to worship and close with a benediction. We describe a benediction as a blessing for the road. And it's especially fitting for us today as we come to end the end of this sermon series on the Psalms of Ascent. Um, these, these travelers uh, have been journeying towards the temple in Jerusalem uh, to bless the Lord. And when they get there, they receive this benediction. It's in, and I think it's especially fitting uh, for this sermon series. One is because we're closing the sermon series with a benediction. Psalm 134 is a blessing for the road for these pilgrim travelers. Uh, they've completed their journey and uh, they're, they're there to worship the Lord and they receive a benediction. And that's the end of the Psalms of Ascent. It closes with a benediction. And, and the second thing is that it's also fitting because we're concluding uh, this study of the Psalms of Ascent on Ascension Sunday. Ascension, and that was by accident. That, we didn't plan that. God God worked that out. But Ascension Sunday is the day the church has traditionally celebrated uh, Jesus making the ultimate ascent, right? His journey into heaven from earth in order to sit down at the throne of his Father and rule over the universe as our brother, as our priest, and as our king. And it's on Ascension Sunday that Christians historically uh, have remembered that we have a friend in the highest place who does more than just put in a good word for us. He himself is the good word for us. If you're not familiar with Jesus' ascension, listen in on what happens. I just want to read it uh, because it struck me this week how, how closely it parallels the Psalms of Ascent, which Jesus would have memorized and would have sang, would have certainly sung on the last week of his life as he's, as he's uh, headed to Jerusalem for Passover. Pay close attention to what gets emphasized in, in this text from Luke 24 about the, the ascension of Christ. It says this, Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Did you notice it? Blessing is all over the ascension. Jesus lifts his hands he blesses his disciples in the middle of the benediction, which is incredible. Uh, in the middle of his benediction, he's carried up into heaven. And what do the disciples do in return? They return to Jerusalem with great joy and they continually bless God in the temple. That's the first thing they do. And that's what Psalm 134 is all about. It's about blessing God and being blessed by God. The life that blesses God is a life that is blessed by God. And you can break the whole psalm down into two basic statements. May you bless the Lord and may the Lord bless you. So may you bless the Lord and may the Lord bless you. We're going to hang everything we say on those two subjects there. 
So may you bless the Lord. Look at verses one and two. Let's begin there. May you bless the Lord. Verse one says, Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who serve by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. So, first instruction, pretty simple. Bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord, bless the Lord. The servants of the Lord here in this psalm are the priests and the Levites uh, who ministered in the temple. And these are particular servants at a particular time in the history of God's people who were called uh, to bless the Lord, to serve the Lord in the temple. And in particular, the Levites were called to serve and minister by night in the house of the Lord. And we know from the scriptures that the, the Levites in particular uh, do this day and night. They do it in song and in deed and in word. For example, 1 Chronicles 9, 33. Um, Those who were musicians, heads of Levite families, stayed in the rooms of the temple and were exempt from the other duties. So they weren't lighting the altar and the other things because they were responsible for the work day and night. And then again in 1 Chronicles 23, it says, they were also to stand every morning to thank and bless the Lord. They were to do the same in the evening. So here, here the Jerusalem uh, journey has ended. They made it to the temple and the priests and the Levites are doing their uh, service at night and the people come and they say, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. It's this culmination of, of all of these people flowing into the temple and they're, they're worshiping God. And they're, they're saying to the servants who are there, get on with it, keep on keeping on. You know, the night is here, but we're still praising the Lord. But just because this psalm was originally addressing the Levites and, and has all this temple and all this other sort of uh, Jewish cultic language, that doesn't mean that you and I here uh, at CIS in this auditorium are exempt. The Bible says that every Christian in the New Testament is a priest. And that's not to say... That's not some sort of like Christian-y sleight of hand to like, you know, smuggle in something uh, that the Old Testament didn't meet all along. It was God's intention all along. And if you follow Exodus 19, uh, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And what does he say to Moses? He says, we're going to make you and your people a kingdom of priests. He says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Not just a small contingent of priests and a select tribe and a select place in the world but an entire kingdom of priests and the new testament picks up this language in first peter chapter 2 verse 9 it says this but you speaking of the church those who are following jesus who are in him united to him by faith you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if you keep going, the story ends in the same way. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus says his blood, Revelation says, so that you could be a kingdom of priests to your God. That means the instruction to bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, is really an instruction to us. That's a long way to get there to say, you and I are to bless the Lord. Okay? Okay? What's that mean? What does it mean to bless the Lord? The, the word bless gets thrown around a lot in Christian circles, right? Often it means wealthy. So-and-so is blessed. Hashtag blessed. 
we see that. Don't search hashtag blessed, by the way. I tried that. And uh, it, yeah, there's some strange things that show up. Hash, don't do that. Don't do hashtag blessed. Or if you're familiar with the Christian ease in the South, what does it mean when someone says bless his heart? <laughs> What's that mean? It means he's an idiot. That's what that means. My mom, when I was young, and I would rile her up, uh, crank her gears, whatever you say, you know. Um, when I was young and I'd do something that would really upset her, uh, and if she was here right now, I don't know if I'd be doing this or not, but <laughs> see, not here. And uh, she would grit her teeth and her face would start to shake. And she'd, I'll do my best impression right now. She goes, God bless America. That's what she would say. Because she'd say God or something and then realize, man, I don't want to do that in front of my son. Bless America. So get a blessing in there while you're at it. So to bless can, can be confusing, and so we need to spend a little time on it. And what makes understanding blessing even more confusing is that it can mean two different things depending on the direction it's going. So blessing can be used of God to bless man. We saw that in Psalm 134. 34, and also in the ascension, and also it can be used of man to bless God, which we saw in Psalm 134 and in Luke 24. And when it is me blessing God, the word is very close to praise. It's almost identical uh, with praise. In fact, you can see that. Uh, the best way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. And so Psalm 134 says, Come, bless the Lord, servants of the Lord. Stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. And so what does it mean to bless the Lord? Look to the very next Psalm, Psalm 135, the very next Psalm. Notice how similar the language is, but one word's been changed. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord, O servants of the Lord who stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. So when we're blessing God, it's basically an identical twin to praising God but when God's blessing us, what's that mean? It doesn't mean uh, the same thing when you go in the other direction, does it? God's not praising us. When the scriptures say that God blesses us, what they mean is he's smiling on us in a way that we don't deserve. He's bringing us into his good favor like a good father would. He's saving us. He's forgiving us. And here's one little observation that I just think is worth making. Uh, that makes the Christian life really sweet. The point of this sermon series about a long obedience in the same direction is that the Christian life is easy to get into. Um, it's hard, though, once you're in it. And one of the things that makes life really sweet is the, the reality that you and I can bless God. Just think about that. You and I can bless God. I think that's amazing. I don't know what's more amazing is the fact that he blesses us and we don't deserve it, or that we can bless him, that he receives our praise as a blessing. Like I said, I, I've got little kids, and I love that they love art. They, 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 they marker and paint all the walls in my house and all the furniture. I don't love that, but I do love the drawings that they produce. And occasionally, uh, we'll have little kids in the service, and it's happened before where when I'm preaching, they'll draw a picture of me, and they'll give it to me afterwards. And just like my kids, it's like, you know, you got a body that looks like a triangle, uh, which is fairly accurate, uh, and a head that's like a pea, and if it's me, it's like three little spiky hairs on the top, and, you know, beady eyes and a nose that doesn't, none of that really fits. 
And when my kids offer me those pictures, which I love to get, I don't say to them, I don't look at it and go, this is garbage. Like, come on, you must be failing in art, right? You know, I don't berate my kids for the nasty photo they just drew of me. They're trying. I go, hey, that's awesome, buddy. Thumbs up. Like, keep trying. What a perfect likeness. You know, like, you know, I, I play it up and I take their imperfect little gift as a blessing because it is a blessing. And when we lift our hearts to God and praise his holy name, when we lift up our hands to God and we give him the imperfect little drawing of our life, this little sketch of our life that we've been trying to, to live as a follower of Jesus, you hand that to God and he says, I love that. I'm going to put that on my fridge. He's blessed by it. It's a great blessing for God to receive the praises and blessings of his people. And so when he smiles on us, when he blesses us, you give him pleasure when you smile back. You bless him back. And so if you're here this morning and you're not quite sure how you can bless the Lord this morning, you probably didn't wake up thinking, how can I bless the Lord this morning? Or if you feel like blessing the Lord, if you don't feel like blessing the Lord, either one, look at verse 2. It says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. What does lifting up your hands do? You're commanded to lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lifting up your hands adds a visual. It's a physical element to your worship and your prayer. It's a symbol of what's going on in your heart and in your soul. It's a beautiful way to worship God with heart and soul and mind and strength. And if you've never done it, I encourage you to do it, to try it. Sometimes we lift up our hands because our heart's already there, right? You come in and you're just like full. And so you lift your hands. Occasionally I find myself like if I'm running around the neighborhood and a good song comes on or whatever, like I'm just running and sometimes I just want to like, I have to hold it down because I just want to like raise my hands or whatever. Our emotions should be engaged when we praise God in our worship. But then there are times when you don't feel like praying and your heart's not in it and things suck. And the Psalms are there for us as well but it's it's precisely in those times it's an excellent time in those times to lift your hands in worship and prayer you know it says that the servants were ministering they were serving in the house of the lord at night who was there i don't know the night shift is hard night shift can be hard but still they are commanded raise your hands bless the lord sometimes your heart lifts your hands but other times, your hands help your heart. When you lift your hands before God, you're opening yourself up to him. You're confessing your need for him and your dependence on him. You're also offering up yourself for inspection. When you hold your hands up, you're asking the Lord in Psalm 24 to inspect you. It says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's why every week we confess our sin together because we don't. We recognize week to week we fail. We don't have clean hands and a pure heart. We're talking about the Psalms of Ascent and Psalm 24 says, who's going to ascend the hill of the Lord? Who's going to make it to Jerusalem in the temple? Only the person who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that's why the ascension of Jesus that we read about in Luke 24 is so vital because Christ has ascended the hill of the Lord, the only one who ever had clean hands, the only one who ever had a pure heart. When you put your faith in Christ as Savior, God forgives you. 
He forgives your sin. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness so that you can lift up your hands before the Lord because you are clean. You are in Christ, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and following says this, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that's the temple, the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Only the priest, high priest, could enter the most holy place, and even then only once a year. But now a way has been opened up for us through Christ by the cross. You have been washed clean in Christ and you may approach God with confidence when you have faith in him. In the full assurance of faith. And you can lift your hands high whether you feel like it or not. Because you don't come to the Lord in your own righteousness. You come to the Lord in his. And so when you're holding your hands to him, you're saying, all I have is yours, Lord. You're saying, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. So that's it. That's the first part. May you bless the Lord. What's left? May the Lord bless you. Verse 3, look at it there. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you. The you in this verse is singular. That means that the blessing that comes from Zion, which is the place where God dwells and the place where God rules, it's his address. The blessing that comes from Zion applies personally to each person who is trusting in Christ as their Savior. It's close. It's intimate. It's May the Lord bless you, Matt. May the Lord bless you, Dan. May the Lord bless you, Jesse. May the Lord bless you, Nate. May the Lord bless you, Phoebe. May the Lord bless you, Cassidy. May the Lord bless you, Julie. May the Lord bless you, Chris. May the Lord, yes, (laughs) made it. (laughs) It's not simply may the Lord bless all y'all. You know the difference? You feel the difference? It's intensely personal, sometimes a little bit uncomfortable because it's a whole lot tougher to escape or deny when the God of the universe is looking at you, looking into you, and blessing you. Generalities are easier to dismiss, right? But verse 3 is written so that no one can say, the blessing doesn't come to me. The blessing doesn't apply to me. Those things that we tell ourselves in the darkest of nights. So where do you find yourself this morning? If you know and believe that God has blessed you, start with verse 1. Respond to the invitation to bless the Lord. That's what verse 1 says. Come, bless the Lord. If you know that God has blessed you and you feel that God has blessed you and you believe that God has blessed you, then bless the Lord. If instead you struggle to believe that God has blessed you, start with verse 3. Where the you is in the singular. Where do you see evidence of God's blessing in your life? Are you struggling to believe that God has blessed you? Even the slight bit of evidence. Even the slightest bit. Hold on to that. May the Lord bless you. It's personal. May the Lord bless you. 
And if you're longing for God to bless you, but you know he has no reason to. I'll say that again. If you're longing for the Lord to bless you, but you know he doesn't have a reason to, start with Jesus. Go to him. Tell him you need him to be your savior, to forgive your sins, that you want to trust him alone as your savior. You can receive his forgiveness like that. God's blessing like that. And then move to verse one. Respond to God's blessing by blessing him. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. I I find it interesting that the Psalms of Ascent end with a benediction. They start sort of in this this place where the the pilgrim's in distress, he he doesn't really know his identity, and he begins in this this mire of repentance, but it ends in blessing. Uh, It ends in the pilgrim blessing God and, and in turn being blessed by God. I want to close with this thought is that uh, one thing I left out when I was talking about blessing earlier is that many times in the Old Testament, uh, we read of fathers blessing their children at the end of their lives. Uh, you can see it in movies and, you know, plays and all, all sorts. It's all over the place, but it's especially true in the Old Testament. It's a typical of the ancient times, biblical times, when a man was about to die, the father, the patriarch of the family, uh, he would gather his children around, and you could just imagine him, you know, around the bed or whatever, wherever he's, he's about to pass away, and he would bless them. You see that a number of places, especially in the book of Genesis. Uh, Jacob does it with his 12 kids, and it's a big one. But, and he would say this. On the one hand, the father would bless his child, and he would be wishing them well. You know, he'd hold his hand out. He'd be saying, I long for your good. I long for your prosperity. May you be healthy and wealthy and wise or or whatever may you be like this and may you be like this and so on the one hand you have this father who's dying who's delighting in his child he's longing for their prosperity he's longing for their good but that's not all that he does the blessing of the father um, at these times was objective as well as subjective it was practical as well as emotional because he doesn't just wish for his children's good does he he's dying And as he's dying, he's blessing, and the blessing actually involves him divvying up his property. He he gives them uh, his wealth and bestows on his children everything that they need to provide for their good, right? He's wishing them good, but he's also providing for their good. The father doesn't just wish them good. He commits his wealth to them so that that good can be achieved. And that's what blessing means. That's the biblical definition of a blessing. And now we can see, we can begin to realize actually what it means for God to say to someone, to say to anyone, to say to you, I bless you. Because for God to say, I bless you, it's, it's him to say, I delight in you. And not only do I delight in you and wish you well, I'm committed with all my power, with all my good to achieving your good. I don't just wish that you have a good life. I'm going to achieve the good life for you. And I'm going to be present with you with all of my inheritance, all of my bankroll with you for the rest of your life. Which is to say, I'm willing to pay the price to see you blessed. Whatever it takes for your good, the Father is blessing them. And that means God doesn't just wish you well. He achieves those blessings for you. 
And that's a good word, isn't it? That's a benediction. God's benediction for you. That good word. Remember when my kids send in the little one that they want a good word from the father. They're trying to get a good word in. God's good word for you is that he doesn't just wish you well. He has achieved your wellness in Jesus. Jesus takes what we deserve upon himself so that we can receive what is only reserved for him. Paul in Galatians chapter 3 says, Jesus takes the curse of God so that we can receive the blessing of God that rightfully belongs to him. He said, cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on the tree and he goes on to say, so that you could receive the blessings that God had promised to Abraham. And the Lord has accomplished all of this for you, Phoebe. For you, Megan. Sarah. For you. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Let's pray.